welcome to Leeds University Business School's Research and Innovation Podcast. Uh, I'm Dr Matthew Davis, I'm an Associate Professor in the Business School and I'm joined today by two colleagues. Hello, my name is Mark Sumner, I'm a lecturer in the School of Design. Hi, I'm Fergus Dowling and I'm a Research Assistant. And uh, today we're going to be reflecting on some of the key findings that have come through from our latest project, looking at the impact of COVID-19 on the management to eradicate modern slavery from global supply chains. And in particular, thinking about the work we've been doing, funded by the Arts Humanities uh, Research Council, uh, looking at Indian fashion supply chains in particular, um, and UK fashion brands and and other stakeholders. So I guess uh, the first place to to start off maybe is just, given some of the discussion we've had in the past in, in this series, is thinking about the nature of supply chains themselves and how that plays into this uh, this issue of uh, risk and, and modern slavery. Mark, I know you've got some thoughts on what we've seen from our interviews and, and other data around complexity in particular. What, what are you seeing here? Uh, thanks for that, Matt. I mean, it's been really interesting um, exploring the, the, the impact of COVID on the supply chain um, because what we started to get an understanding is the, 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 the scale, um, the scope and the complexity of a textile or clothing supply chain. I think there's a, a, a perception that supply chains for clothing are essentially a, a garment-making factory and the brand or retailer that's placing the order. But actually what we're seeing while we're, when we're trying to investigate and understand how COVID has impacted those supply chains is, is really starting to get under the skin of the, the, the complexity of those supply chains. So we're talking about supply chains that are very global in nature, uh, where products and materials will cross many different national borders. Um, so yeah, raw materials maybe coming from Africa, going into places like uh, Pakistan or going into China, and then coming out of China and going into Sri Lanka, um, and then ultimately coming into to the UK's finished product. So not only have we got that transboundary uh, complexity, but it's the complexity of relationships and the state of flux that goes on with those supply chains and how rapidly things are changing. So when we're trying to understand the impact of COVID on those supply chains, it becomes really challenging to, to navigate and actually identify who and where those supply chains are to then understand what the impacts of COVID has been. And then also on top of that is this idea that, you know, COVID is just another factor amongst all the other factors that are driving this, this, this massive su- supply chain um, and, and the, the rate of change that's going on there. So I think in the work that we've been doing, and I think Fergus will be talking a little bit more about some of the findings we've had, it's been really interesting in covering this idea that actually textile and clothing supply chains could be some of the most complex supply chains that are, that, that actually operate in modern industry. Yeah, because some of the findings that um, I'm coming across through interviews with many different stakeholders, um, particularly with brands and retailers, um, it's quite clear that those who have put a large amount of effort into building strong relationships with their supply chain and have a better understanding over the suppliers and uh, other factories that are within their supply chain have been able to deal and respond with the impacts of the pandemic far greater and mainly because they've got that communication channels open they're able to understand what the impacts are what challenges their supply base are facing and they're able to kind of give support and help deal with these impacts much better um, but the other thing that we're seeing from the supplier side is because they uh, don't only just deal with a single supp- uh, brand or retailer they deal with a lot of different brands 
they've all acted differently throughout the pandemic and that complexity has added another kind of dimension to it as well um, and they've really struggled without having a uniformed front coming from their buyers um, and it's other advice that we're seeing from stakeholders such as uh, the British Retail Consortium or the Ethical Trade Institute they've been recommending for a while that brands and retailers have stronger relationships and a better understanding over their supply chains and we're, I think we're really starting to see evidence now that um, it really is a benefit for brands and retailers to have that. I can say Fergus that, that's really interesting I wonder when you talk about the suppliers finding that they're they're having uh, different um, maybe requests or, or responses from the, the brands they're selling to. What does that look like in practice? What have people been saying uh, the brands have been doing differently then? What's, what's maybe better or worse practice that's come through? So when the pandemic initially hit in March of last year, um, we've probably seen reports that lots of brands and retailers decided to cancel lots of their orders. Um, there's practical reasons for that, many being um, they weren't able to sell stock. So if you have too much stock that you can't sell, that there's not really much point in having it. And they operate in, uh, in sometimes over a year in advance in placing orders. However, because they all didn't act in the same way, some brands kept those on, other brands cancelled everything up to orders that were actually being shipped over from the uh, supplier countries. It meant that their cash flow was completely destroyed. And then there's lots of brands who have gone back on that and they've tried to place orders and rectify the damage that has been done. But that damage is already uh, put in place. So it's caused the kind of a shockwave throughout the supply chain and it's kind of thrown it into turmoil that's been spending over a year to try and rectify. And I think what we can we can add to that is the the for suppliers, one of the biggest challenges that we're seeing coming from suppliers, the, the, the commentary is it, it's often about the management of cash flow. It's that continuity of supply that's really important. Of course, what we're seeing with with the, the pandemic is is a complete global almost shutdown of, of, of orders coming through particularly at the very start of lockdown when there was a great level of uncertainty what was going on. What we're also seeing is, is local issues with um, things like forced migration uh, being driven by government policies and trying to get the, the coherence between um, orders starting to be um, in, it starting to increase from, from the demand side and then trying to match that from the supply side as we as we sort of deal with these different aspects of lockdown has, has, has created a, another level of complexity, as Fergus mentioned. So the the, the level of, of certainty has been really difficult for, for suppliers and, and also for brands as well to, to manage cash flow. Um, and as Fergus says, the, the, the open channels that are created by having a, a strong existing structure um, or a strong existing relationship between the brand and their suppliers has really helped that 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 uh, process of, of realigning that supply and demand post COVID lockdown. So so it, it, I guess it's it's similar to the analogies that we've talked about in other aspects of society and the impact that COVID that COVID has had. Where there are cracks in a structure, COVID has been absolutely um, extraordinary in the way that it's exposed those cracks and driven those those, those divisions wider. And I think we're we're starting to see that where. Um, brands um, and, and suppliers as well don't have a good structure for managing the, um, uh, the, the the rights of workers and they don't have good practices in place for decent work, for example, 
COVID has really blown that wide open. Um, and it's not to say that where brands are compliant with the Modern Slavery Act and where they, they, they follow the ETI-based codes, for example, that you know things haven't been affected. Yes, they have. But I think what we're starting to see is, is that divergence between those brands that have got good structures and have been able to repair what COVID has done far quicker than those brands um, that have had poor structures or, or no structures. Well, that's interesting, Mark, though, isn't it? So what we're saying here is, um, and I think going back, say, before the pandemic as well, in, in terms of thinking about what we found in, in previous uh, research. So the good practice around knowing your suppliers, knowing the supply chain, that kind of very proactive and collaborative approach to, to working with suppliers around creating decent work and, and good working conditions for, uh, for staff and others in the supply chain. But that actually seems to be linked to, to more resilience for those companies. One, the, the kind of the non, I guess the non-human rights and the non-welfare side and benefits back for brands of investing in that. And I guess we were seeing this kind of in previous years being, you know, it was good business because it was doing the right thing by suppliers and by workers and it was ethical business. But we didn't see that link to resilience in the same way. And I guess one of the positives maybe then coming out of, of COVID-19 and and actually the shock that we've seen and the fallout of that is actually showing how those kind of investments in kind of good business practice, as you were saying, actually has those other kind of effects and, and benefits from the business as a whole. So it's not just a, a moral and ethical thing um, in, in this regard, but it's actually just good business and, and resilient business as well. So maybe that's a positive that comes through. And as you were saying, think about decent work and what does that mean and why is that important beyond just the worker? And it, it just makes me think as well, one of the things we've seen come through from the interviews that we've conducted both here in the UK and also uh, in the Indian supply chains that we've been working with, this idea of empathy being really important. And actually, COVID-19, because of the global nature of it and a shared experience that people have had. So everybody knows somebody who's been affected by COVID-19. They've seen the impact locally on the economy and, and so on. A lot of our, our interviewees, whether they've been in the India or in the UK, have said how that's changed their outlook and the empathy they have for what their suppliers or their buyers might be going through and that shared understanding. And I think as a psychologist, that's really interesting because it seems to challenge some of the things we've seen in the past when we look at modern slavery in particular, where it's been seen as a, an issue, a problem that happened somewhere else to somebody else. Um, and it couldn't possibly any, be anything that I'm involved in or, or would have any kind of knowledge of or under, understanding of. You know, it's a, it's a technical risk maybe to be managed. This feels quite different. I'd be interested to see what that means going forwards as well, whether some of that empathy and understanding sticks. Absolutely, Matt. And I think it's really interesting when we think about developments on the environmental side of sustainability, that there is now a growing <clears throat> business value of being um, environmentally uh, aware and doing things um, in, in a in a more environmentally conscious way. And, and that actually is impacting on the bottom line. For example, we, we're seeing you know, cost savings as a result of reducing your, uh, your carbon footprint, cost savings as a, as a result of reducing your packaging. When we flip that onto the, the ethical uh, um, aspect of, of sustainability, it's less tangible in terms of trying to get that pounds and pence value of what that investment actually is. And I think you're absolutely right. What we're now starting to see is that there is a a, a risk map that says by having an ethical structure, um, 
is is no longer just about the you know a moral imperative. This is about saying I've got a business that actually has got um, that integrity and redundancy and, and resilience built into it. Um, and it, and it's also really interesting as well to to then be thinking, as you say, about that empathy. I think what we're starting to see now is is, is greater engagement from both parties, uh, both sides of this this sort of um, brand retailer and supply chain side. And also going back to that complexity, it's not just suppliers, it's the suppliers of the suppliers and the suppliers of those suppliers. So we've got this long chain uh, of, of, of relationships and those relationships, um, I think, can only work really effectively if you have that empathy. You know, you have that understanding that there is another organisation, another group of people, another individual that has a set of of, of demands and requirements and, and constraints to work around. And I think ultimately it makes really good business sense if you're aware of that, that you can actually start working with um, your partners in that supply chain. I guess the the... the the, the one challenge for the fashion industry in particular um, associated with that uh, complexity of supply chain is the very often very rapid churn that we can see in terms of engagement and disengagement with suppliers. Place some orders uh, with that supplier, then move on and place orders with, with another supplier. Um, and I think what the pandemic is, is, is suggesting here is that even down to the skill set within a factory, um, where that can that could vary quite rapidly. What we need to be looking at is how we can build, a, or what the industry could be looking at now is how we build a resilient supply chain um, that is based on an empathetic approach, but also um, addresses one of those challenges that the fashion industry has in particular, that really rapid churn that can happen in some parts of the supply chain. And I think, Fergus, you know, we, we we've talked to brands and retailers where actually they've they've got a really good management of their their supply base in terms of they, they have long term relationships, and I think what we've seen from that that's been positive um, within the, the current COVID um, uh, situation. Yeah, definitely. And um, as I said earlier, the ones who have already been putting out and um, work into this. Uh, to understand the supply chain and have strong relationships have definitely benefited and actually speaking to brands to uh, understand how they've been dealing with the pandemic one thing that's come across from all different types of brands is that they're planning on consolidating their supply chain they want to have uh, fewer suppliers but have stronger relationships more meaningful relationships a working relationship they're saying they're seeing their suppliers as business partners and they're both involved in this uh, working relationship and there are also lots of comments of you know we've been through this together and um, it's a shared experience and kind of going back to what you were saying about the empathy of uh, the pandemic has affected everybody it's been different to past crises um, such as Rana Plaza which was a factory disaster back in 2013 it was although it did affect the industry because but because it was over in Bangladesh it was seen as being kind of over there it didn't affect the west as much whereas here now um, we're working from home it, it's you know it's much more visceral it's much more real for us so and um, it's easier for an empathy to come through in that sense and um, so it will be interesting to go forward to see whether these kinds of feelings stick around um, and people remember or whether the industry kind of goes back to business as usual but um, I like to think that there has been a big enough change and from speaking to all the different types of brands and um, they seem quite keen to to do the right thing moving forward well, I think that's that's a nice uh, a nice 
place, I think, to finish up on because that sets us up for the next podcast we're going to uh, share, which will be looking very much at what does this mean going forward? And, and actually these ideas of resilience, collaboration, maybe reconfiguring supply chains and so on. We'll come back to and think, what do our findings really mean in, in practice for, for brands and maybe for policy too? Um, because I think that notion of decent work and, and actually the business benefit from, from making that a reality in the supply chains is really important. Um, so with that, um, I'd say thank you very much from myself um, and uh, Mark and, and Fergus. Thank you. Thank you for having me. If you'd like to find out more, you can visit our project webpage. The link's in our show notes. Um, and we'd love to, to share our findings or, or hear your views on, on what we've been working on.